I'm Sasha Sagan, and this is Strange Customs. The creatures communicate in all sorts of ways. One way, which tends to be subtle, ever-changing, and largely symbolic, is a kind of series of signals and rituals, gestures and actions. They are different in different regions of their planet. The expectations are largely unspoken, but somehow widely understood. One of these rituals is an exchange, when one creature provides another with something of value, possibly a useful or decorative object or a form of sustenance. The creature who has received it is then obliged to provide a document a physical accounting of their appreciation, how and why they took pleasure in what they received. Otherwise, their social status, their intentions, and even their moral standing may come into question by their community. When we were talking about what we were going to discuss... And we were talking about pretty grand ideas about art and death, you know, that kind of stuff. And you said, actually, this is what I want to talk about. My like whole body just tensed up. And I was like, yes. Today, my guest is my dear friend, actor and director, Lily Rabe. I have so much anxiety around this department and my severe failings we can get into. But I want to know why. Tell me. My palms are just. Yes. My palms well, are sweating. It's so yeah, stressful. Yeah, death, being an artist, uh, meaning of life. It, well, we could have, we could have, but we've decided to really dig deep and Into go for it and be brave. With something <laughs> that we both have like the most visceral reaction to. <laughs> How would you explain thank you note to someone, let's say from a you know another planet or someone who'd never heard of a thank you note before? Let's start there. Well, this is the this is the thing, and this is why I think when we were sort of like nosing around for what we could talk about you you said something that that I just like what confounds you or what when you're yeah. teaching your children things or trying to pass certain things onto them like what leaves you kind of just like upside down and stumped and it's thank you notes and every time I get one I'm stumped every time I write one I'm stumped but really what's hard is explaining to someone else why they should do it. That's the part that floors me. And listen, I don't want to have like the etiquette police hunt me down and <laughs> arrest me because it's not – I love manners and yeah. traditions and I want to, you know, please and thank you. Nothing – a great handshake. They're important and – I value them and I like teaching my children about them. But the, the, thank, the thank you note is so confusing to me. It seems like this kind of endless, I don't know, it just feels like a nightmare. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, to anyone listening right now, I've been married very close to 10 years. I mean, I, I feel sick saying this. I never finished my thank you notes. And if you're listening and you sent me a gift and I didn't send you a note, it's not because I didn't deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate the gift. It's because I was paralyzed with 
fear and anxiety around this ritual. And like my mother was like, it's not a writing sample, but it felt like this enormous thing. And partly I think it was the stationery felt like it was really fancy and I didn't want to waste it. And I just like writing things by hand. And like, I don't know, I was overwhelmed at that and I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish my thank you notes. And I'm, I have so much shame about it. It's so interesting. But writing a letter writing. Yeah. I say the letters that I've gotten from, and, and Hamish is like a wonderful letter writer. He's a great email writer and texter, but like his letters are, even when it's just an, a note on with the flower, whatever, I, I save them. I love them. Um, I I miss that. I crave that. I wish we did it more. I, I would love to write you a letter. I would love for you to write me a letter, but just not a thank you note. A friend of mine, I was talking to about this, and she was like, I tried to get my husband to write the thank you notes for after wedding presents and he just never did it and it was I don't know how much of this was drummed into us as little girls or if boys get told they have to write thank you notes or not I mean I but the women in John's family write these beautiful handwritten thank you notes and they feel like they arrive like if we spend Christmas with them it feels like when we get home from the trip it's already in the mailbox When I get one, I'm like, this is so beautiful, but I can't keep up with this, especially when I was present when the person received the gift. They said thank you to me in person. I didn't like not something that you mailed to them. I do write thank you notes for I'm realizing now, but I think when I'm writing them, I don't think of them as thank you notes for experiences or for like when I worked with someone or someone has worked for me or we've shared some kind of experience and then I'm I guess what I'm doing is writing them a note to thank them for that experience but I don't even think of it as a thank you note and I have no problem doing it because it's not about an exchange of something material and this is not to say Mm. like I love a I love a present I love to give a present I love to get a present but I think a wedding is such a perfect example of the kind of worst to me the worst case scenario I've as you know never had a wedding but I've watched so many people you included go through the planning of a wedding and while it can be so wonderful it's a it's a lot it is an unbelievable amount of work that you're doing and oftentimes an incredible amount of money is being spent on the wedding and so if you invite me to your wedding that you've had to plan and spend weeks months years planning and then you're spending x amount of dollars for me to be there and then i'm giving you a gift that's me saying thank you for doing all of that and including Mm -hmm. me and also saying here's a gift to celebrate this wonderful, momentous occasion. Why on earth should you then thank me again? <laughs> Where I does do, it end? Then do you Where does it, it end? Oh, thank you for and this beautiful like, thank you note. <laughs> thank you for this beautiful thank you note. But really, that's what it feels like. It's like it could just go on forever. And then I hate the thought of you having the experience of opening this gift and immediately thinking, 
write it down, put it on the notebook, put the thing. Which, yes. Who is this from? What is this thing? Get the yes. blah, blah, blah. It's like, what is that? The whole, just get, have the, have the experience of, uh, I, it, the exchange has happened. The gift is the thank you. It should end there. I, th- I mean, I agree with you. And I also wonder, I don't know, it's interesting the things that are like, in general, the etiquette things that we feel really strongly about and the things that feel antiquated and sort of fall away. I mean, certainly here in 2023, there are so many things that even our grandmothers would have felt obliged to do that we would never consider doing. Really curious if there are modern etiquette, things that no one used to do because either it wasn't relevant to what society was like or something has changed. To me, I feel like a modern etiquette thing is like you show the other person in the picture can I post this before you just put it out on the internet we have these unspoken things that we all feel like we should be doing or shouldn't be doing and they change over time like what how do you know when it's time to let go of something that we were supposed to do and start something new that we're supposed to do now right and I right I I mean I don't know the answer but I, 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 but it, it really with the, yeah, right. Can I post this? And that is the polite thing to do. Are you pro? Can I post this? Yeah. It's so, no, I think it's really important. I would be like, yeah. I would feel like, you know, if someone posts a picture without asking you, I feel like it's rude. Yeah. I guess it is a little rude. But again, there's, but there's still nuance. There's gray area. There, yeah, there is total gray area. And, and the thank you notes, there, there is so much gray area there to thanking someone for something that is emotional, I think is, it's, is wonderful. I agree. And it's true. It doesn't feel like a thank you note in the same way. Yeah. When you're saying like, this meant so much to me that you you know, that we shared this time together, or you, you like went out of your way to like do this thing for me. I was getting ready to talk to you about this. And someone brought up the idea, which I had never heard before a performative gratitude. And this idea of immediately just a picture hashtag grateful. The cultural moment, I think is so much about tapping into gratitude in a real way where where you have so much stuff and it just arrives at your door and everything's so easy and how do we appreciate what we have i do think there is such it's such an important change in the culture is like emphasizing gratitude but like anything then it becomes like people just do the exterior part i don't know what do you think about like the way we the way a thank you note is or isn't part of a larger culture of right. gratitude gratitude itself and the real practice of it and then really talking to your kids about what that feeling is and how yeah. to express it it's so beautiful and 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 we know i mean i think isn't it isn't it like it is the key to happiness i mean it is right yeah uh yeah <laughs> so like i mean i think so i mean i think that's the latest data yeah <laughs> i think the latest data is is wrecked i and it's the most wonderful feeling to have and and to express and to share in all of it there was this article it was something like I don't know someone who'd written this book on etiquette get it all organized so it's together and easy like the you have the stationery and the stand you know so you kind of can't make the excuses of like well I did couldn't find the stationery and I couldn't um Mm. find the stamp or whatever but then the trouble with that is if it becomes a kind of 
ritual mm. just because you feel you have to. And even if you say something in it that you mean, like after the 20th thank you note, is it like just, fi- you know, find one new word? When does it become a form letter? And how could it not really when you have this? And it yeah. should, when is it like, and it's a daunting task, but you've just, uh, you've just accomplished this daunting task of you threw a wedding and you got presents because it's appropriate for you to, you know, the kids have these birth, I've so, so many kids and they have birthdays every year. So yes. there's just like a lot of, yes. um, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> funny, funny things. They do every um, year. It's <laughs> weird. Every year, every year. Um, and there's all these presents and you can say no presents. You can say, people bring presents. Yes. It's great. The kids love it. So there the presents are. And like your kids are tearing into them in this, it's such a like joy explosion. They're like buried in wrapping paper and there's no way. I don't know who. I mean, the cards, the two, the from, it's gone. I'm never going to know <laughs> who gave. But I don't want to yeah. sit my child down and say, we have to do this in a really organized fashion. And I'm going to sit here yeah. and take a, you know, make a list. So slow down and let's really be conscious of where each thing is coming from and maybe this is terrible mm. that i feel this way but i'm like i kind of just want her to be in the in the mess of opening her presents yeah the joyous frenzy i totally see both sides of this i mean it's so hard because yeah, it's I like too. i don't know what the right thing is we recently went to, you know, we do the the birthday party circuit around here too, and you know, yeah. I recently went to one where the Evite generated a like, thank you so much for coming, and it was not specific to us, but it was saying, I actually really appreciated it because it was saying this loop is now closed. Thank you for coming to this party, and it, it was saying like we have now. <laughs> I did that. This is cycle that. is complete. Oh, you did that. Yes, yes. yes. I have yes. done that, and you liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I did. I felt like that was like great. But then the other side is if we're not making it like homework, basically, you know, for a little kid who it's, you know, it's a lot of work. How do we instill that sense of gratitude in small children to and like, how do they learn to show it if it's not this piece of paper that we write what we got on and say, thank you so much and fold it up and put in an envelope? What, What should we do instead? What do you think? You know, I just wrote Valentine's cards with yes my kindergartner and it was optional whether you could either do because there's two kindergarten classes and you could either do just the you know everyone in the class that your child is in or you could choose to do both classes and we started with the other class because we were going to do both and so we'd done like 25 and she was tired because she was really writing Mm. all the names yeah and I was like well we have to finish what we started we have to now do your um your whole class and but for some reason I really loved doing that with her it and it was like homework it got to like very tedious places and she was begging for me to you know do do it for her but I I guess because it's not in it's not about an exchange you're just saying happy valentine's day whatever I love you you make me smile I love your jokes or whatever it is and it's not thank you for this cardigan (laughs) yes yes and for whatever reason I just it sits like in a better place and of course 
you know I'm not saying I don't think. Yeah. You give me the gift, I say thank you. But the wedding is really the one that is the hardest yeah. for me. And then yeah. it sort of, I yeah. think, goes down from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of it is about obligation. I mean, and I guess etiquette and manners, like it is about obligation. And it's like, what are we communicating with these rituals? And are there any forms of etiquette that you love? Well, handshaking, it's so endangered. And I, I love it so much. And I was really worried that it was going to go away forever. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear you say this because I feel like you like to, you know, there is a level of, you know, you like to keep things <laughs> germ free. And I feel like that you would be opposed. to. The, I mean, I feel like you're you're into, you know, like minimizing um, exchange of potential illness. And I, ha- I would think yes. you would be anti handshake to tell you the truth. I know. And I always have my hand sanitizer with me. Yeah. <laughs> and to yes. me, it's worth it's worth it. The risk. It's worth the risk. I love, you know, I also, I meeting people is so wild, like the way that we say our names yes. before anything else has happened. And yes. I am usually in some kind of state of anxiety when I'm meeting someone new because anytime I leave a house, I'm a little bit anxious. And then certainly meeting a new person, I'm a lot of it anxious, multiple people. But at least with a handshake, there is, I'm like, something is happening. Some connection, this connection is yeah. happening. And, and, and then you can have a bad handshake and it's bad. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> and there was no eye contact and it was so wimpy. Um, and it can make me feel judgmental. And maybe um, I then sort of write a story that shouldn't be written about the person. In the same way that a great handshake, I'm like, I really... I'll trust him with my life. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) But then, you know, I've met some people I love and and would um, totally, like, trust with my life. Won't do handshakes anymore. They won't do it. And I get it. I'm glad I got to shake their hand like years ago when I met them. In the beginning. Um, In the beginning. beginning. (laughs) But I've I've seen it. That's beautiful, actually. I don't know why that made me emotional. I so understand it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I was one of the lucky ones. I got to look into their eyes and shake their hand. No one else is ever going to have that experience. What about etiquette stuff that's sort of gendered, like a man opening a door for a woman, let's say? I mean, I guess men write thank you notes. I feel like, but like I I experience this as something that is like a female thing or a female obligation. Maybe that's totally wrong, but I wonder about stuff that's in the other direction. Like, do you expect Hamish to open the door for you? No, I don't. I, it's so, well, again, there's a lot of questions in that question because it's true. My the the child who is of the age like my two little ones aren't writing. I mean, they'll write right. a note, but it doesn't have any letters yeah. on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like this. Uh, you know, it's more like a hieroglyph. <laughs> yeah, more, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, my my kindergartner is a is a is a girl, and so I hadn't thought of like when I'm bristling at 
that with her at encouraging her to do it after a, a birthday or whatever, I'm sure that is part of it. Like, would it be different if I were, would it be easier for me to say like, just write the note. But again, you just hired a magician and you guys got an ice cream truck <laughs> and you decorated your house and you got a cake and I'm you invited me and my family and I'm bringing a present. Why? That is the end of it. I feel like I have to say this is theoretical. I did not hire a magician for getting ice cream truck. <laughs> For those of you listening, <laughs> I mean, I you. I'm not saying I wouldn't, like, but I feel like I'm getting a lot of credit for a birthday party I did not throw. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been to these. I mean, you go to these parties that, right, with your kid, yeah. where you're like, wow, this yeah. is like, and whatever it is, it's all amazing, right? It's all yeah. incredible. It doesn't matter if there's, or it's just that, like, we all met up in a park. That still takes when yeah. you have – it's a, so it's yes. organizing. It's the effort. And you invite – and you made the Evite, which also takes forever. Um, yeah. And you put the – whatever. Thank you. Here's the present d- done. It is my pleasure to give this gift to your child. Yeah. To say thanks for having me. Anyway. Has someone ever – objected to not receiving a thank you note from you i once was really judged i didn't were you at my baby shower oh i wasn't in town because i was so pregnant also right because we really like to do that at the same time yes um (laughs) but i was not gonna be able to open my presence in front of everyone because i would break out into hives and uh, that was not saying I, I like I wasn't gonna be able to do that. I I love when other people do that and I'm a guest, but like I couldn't do that. So they were wherever, and then um, I had a couple of friends. Sort of it was like the after part, the after after party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, <laughs> over and opening and and like one of them had the notebook and the thing and was like okay now we're gonna write each thing down and and it was so great that she did that for me so that I could just kind of open them and then have the but very quickly it was all I was thinking about and um my you know a little OCD whatever it is was like oh did you get that did I say that was it it was this person no it was this oh no there's the card is missing everything is lost the card is missing yeah I've failed all is lost and I'm a horrible person. I mean, it was just like, and then I didn't, I started them. I mean, I think probably still have them like in a box and then I'm crossing them out and then I'm like writing drafts. And I, it didn't eclipse the whole, of course, like the the joyous things, but it it suddenly became a big deal and it took up a lot of space. I totally relate to this. I totally relate to this. I think I was a little shamed by one friend who was kind of like, you can't not, this is not a, a not, you know, I, I or I mean, I did yeah. feel a little shame, shamed. And, yeah. and, and I, and I'm sure that I'll, like I said, I'm going to be shamed for everything I'm saying now, maybe. <laughs> this is going to be, wouldn't this be amazing if this was like a huge scandal? Um, <laughs> Lily Raven Sasha Sagan. Oh my God. They don't believe in thank you notes. You. They don't believe in thank you notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just, oh my God. There is something about feeling like they have to be perfect. I mean, that's actually yeah. what was debilitating for me. It was like, I felt like they had to be a poem like this 
toaster is the most beautiful toaster in the world, you know, it's like making perfect the enemy of good. That's actually something that's been great about getting older is feeling less like something has to be done perfectly in order to be done and feeling like it's okay to just check something off the list and it doesn't have to be held to this ridiculous standard and you can just keep going through it. But it took me a long time to get there. Maybe if I had gotten married now at this age, I would have just, you know, sat in front of the TV and written them all out and just gotten them in the mail. And (laughs) this wouldn't be hanging over me a decade later. Kind of the idea of etiquette and manners, too, in a way, is this idea that like there is this one rigid way to be. And if you fall outside of that, it's rude. That's quite scary to feel like you're being rude when you're not trying to. I mean, that's and you're not ungrateful. You are so it shouldn't be a measure of of gratitude. Like, haven't you ever gotten a text or an email or a letter? but probably a text um, that makes you so happy and moves you and sort of stops you in place. Yes. And because you let yourself bask in that feeling. Yes. You don't don't reply. Respond immediately. Then like sometimes, oops, it's two weeks later. Yes. And you're like, oh my God, I not only did I not respond, but I didn't respond to this thing that meant so much to me, but I actually wanted to have the experience of loving what this person said. But in doing that, I've actually been silent and terribly rude when I, it was, it, it's, 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 it's difficult. I'm sitting here with my mouth agape, um, because I cannot tell you, there should be a word for this because I experience this all the time where you get like a really long, beautiful email. I mean, a text for sure, or like a really long, beautiful email. And it's like, yes. I don't have the time to reply to the level that this deserves right at this moment. And then it's like the more moving and touching and beautiful something is, it's like the more time you need to respond. And sometimes heartbreakingly, it just falls through the cracks and you don't reply. I mean, there should be probably in German, there's a word for this, but like there should be a word for this because I cannot tell you how deeply I relate to this. This is so, okay. Now I think we've really gotten to the crux of the matter. I mean, it's like until the the iMessage had the thing where you could mark something as unread. Like, yeah. I was like, what how, What do you do? I mean, it was so hard. You'd read something so beautiful and you'd be like, whatever, your kids are screaming or you're whatever, about to go into a meeting or about to go into a something and you can't, you just don't have the time to reply to it in that moment. And then it just like falls to the bottom. And like, but sometimes the reason I haven't responded immediately is because I am quite literally basking in the feeling yeah. of it. I would only ever want the person I was sending that text to to be able to do that and not be immediately filled with a, with a feeling of obligation. Yeah. It's hard now because everything is so immediate and there is this expectation yeah. of like, you know, well, you didn't respond to my 
email. And for some people, that's like it's been an hour. And for some people, it's a day or a week or whatever. And there's no sort of rules uh, or I don't know them about like the and I would say the same thing with the thank you notes, right? Like you could send out your thank you notes a decade later. You could do For it. For my 10th wedding anniversary, we're going to just <laughs> buckle down and finish the thank you notes. <laughs> when you get a thank you note that is not particularly personal, but very appropriate. Yeah. How does it make you feel? Like I kind of, it's not that I'm like, oh, gross, but it doesn't make me feel much of anything. <laughs> But when I get a note from someone that isn't, um, that I know they didn't expect me mm. to expect, it means so much. I have them, sa- I have piles of them saved. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I save don't that save the ones too. that are like, thank you for the vase. Yeah. Can't Good wait day to, see to you. For you. Lunch Best next wishes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I recycle those. I do. I recycle them. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we thread this needle as a society between like f- feeling so obligated to do certain things at certain times that they that it becomes like completely soulless and like just like absolutely robotic because it's like this is the appropriate time to send these words to this person and verse eight and then the other extreme having like no expectations that anybody's going to do anything like you know out of etiquette or manners or politeness and like you know we're signaling all these things to each other all the time like how do we thread the needle between the stuff we have to do because like we feel like obliged and because someone 200 years ago said we have to do it and right. just having people just do whatever they want and just chaos. I don't know. Like what, what's the right in between? And with our kids, it really is because, you know, I yeah. was valent doing those cards. It was great. And sometimes my daughter will just write a note to a friend like, and, and yeah. make oh, an envelope. Yeah. And it, there's no occasion, nothing. But as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the feeling, and I had also just done this for a birthday party, and I had copied someone. I had been to a party with my kids. It was a kid's birthday thing, and it was a theme, and they had done mm-hmm. all this stuff, and we brought the present, and then they sent to everyone a mm-hmm. thank you all for being there. And, it, and I did, I was like, that's great. I like that. Yeah. And so then I copied yeah. it. But it's so interesting that you that you were saying it, it gave you a feeling of sort of relief and completion because it it really is like it just keeps going. And then there's the goodie bags, like the party bags. And oh. the, there's a lot of exchange. It's like an endless exchange. The goodie bags are – I'm ready for that to go by – like go away. The goodie bag – like do I need another unsharpened pencil? So then just like if you had your total druthers and you got to be like, you know, empress of the – society tomorrow what would you like want to instill in the next generation about gratitude about saying thank you about giving gifts about receiving gifts what would you want people to grow up feeling and knowing about about receiving stuff giving stuff about saying thank you about the rituals around it what's important to take forward to find or lean into whatever ways we can do it that keep us present in the 
in the feeling of it, in the expression of it, in the exchange of it. I love anything to slow down, to slow it down so that we can experience it. It's like, how can we not rob people of the experience of it because they're moving towards the exchange of it? Part of what's so wonderful about gratitude is the feeling of having it, really having it, and being with that feeling. And so how can we honor that and support that where we're not poking holes in that because we're saying, okay, yes, very good, great work, and now express it and give it back. But you do want to get there. You do want to get to that point. You do want to say to your children, whether it's the, uh, you know, writing a letter of, I'm not going to call it a thing, you know, expressing gratitude through a letter that feels <laughs> Or saying, looking into someone's eyes and thanking them in a specific way or whatever it is. I want them to get there, but I don't want them to be so focused on on the there that they're missing having the feeling too and living in the feeling. If you send me a thank you note for doing this podcast, I will... Can you imagine? It will be return to sender. Return to sender. My next guest is Andrea Voyer, an associate professor of sociology at Stockholm University. So I actually do my research uh, on manners and etiquette using Emily Post's etiquette book, which was first published in 1922. And when I went back to look at thank you notes, they're in there. Thank you notes, and even in the first edition in 1922, had their own chapter. Manners and etiquette are partially about making people comfortable and creating typical and common and expected ways of doing things that makes social life run more smoothly. So giving thanks to acknowledge kindness is just one of those things that facilitates people feeling appreciated, acknowledged. Uh, it is a reward for being kind, which means that people are going to be more likely to be mm. kind um, because they th- there's some payoff in terms of that warm glow of being acknowledged and appreciated. The second thing is there's this element of what we call reciprocity. And so when you give, when you give something, in particular when you give a gift, gift giving is such a culturally particular and symbolically laden practice across societies. And so when you give a gift, that actually has a lot of cultural meaning and significance. Um, And sometimes we give gifts because we are getting more than that warm feeling of knowing, knowing we did something nice, where we give gifts as a way to express, for example, our resources, yeah, our power to get people indebted to us. And so the thank you note is part of, from that perspective, the thank you note is part of acknowledging this debt that we've incurred to someone who's, who's made a gift to us. Um, and then there's one last thing, and this is actually a little bit more where my, most of my research is focused, which is the role of manners and etiquette in distinctions and social boundaries and us knowing, oh, these are people like us 
they do it the correct way. And the correct way is, you know, our way to do it. And so there's this can be judgment around practices like thank you notes. And I think that's probably a little bit of the anxiety. Um, so there are these three very different things that are all influencing and putting a lot of symbolic importance on how we respond to kindness and gifts and things like that. That's so interesting. How do you think it impacts like the f- actual feeling of gratitude when there's like a prescribed way to express gratitude? How do you think it impacts the emotion of just actually feeling thankful? I think when people are fish in water, then their way of expressing gratitude fits the circumstance. It fits the expectations of the other person. So then you probably don't even notice it. You don't even reflect on it because your way of handling the thank you note matches the expectation of the person receiving the thank you note. The problem is social norms change over time. Uh, for example, in Emily Post, there's a lot of discussion across these editions and whether it's okay to send an email as a thank you note or a text as a mm. thank you note, or does it have to be handwritten and sent via snail mail, right? And so you can experience generational differences, for example, in terms of what people think is appropriate. And so as, as soon as there are those complexities, you have a situation where someone's expectation for the thanks they should receive doesn't match maybe your expectation of how you should give thanks. And then when people start interpreting that, they can very easily interpret that as either you're ungrateful or they're not appreciated or you're not their kind of person. Oof. Uh, and, and I mean, the generational point is so interesting because it's like, you know, we have this sense always with things that are, you know, air quotes, traditional, that they have always been the way. And, you know, that these expectations are as old as time. And, and that if we if we are to change them, if we are to break with the mold that was instilled in us by our grandmothers, let's say, then we are the first people in, you know, all of human history to not do things the way that they have always been done. But really, they're constantly evolving and changing. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. That's a very common theme in this etiquette edition. So I've got 21 editions of etiquette over 100 years. And in almost every edition, the author will point out that the older generation of this time is saying that the younger people are ruining everything. (laughs) And there are also technological developments, right? right? Why would I put a thank you note in the mail? You know, and this is, (laughs) I don't even, when was the last time I put anything in the mail? Um, And so the idea that was email or text, thank you, was not a possibility um, before. So those things have to get worked out. What do you think are the most pervasive misunderstandings about not just thank you notes, but all these things that are sort of in the vein of manners and etiquette. Um, what are the preconceptions or the or the misinformation that's out there that you'd want to disabuse people of? Well, I get, I think you're really already hitting the vein of that. The whole idea of your podcast, what would you say to aliens? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. What would you say? What would you say? I mean, and I think the aliens actually get it because they're the ones who hop in between social worlds. It's those of us who are within our social world who take it to be so true, who are the problem. And so I frequently, when I encounter someone who's so hung up on what they think something means, um, so just to give an example, I have an acquaintance who had a dinner guest come over and that person brought wine with them. And then the, the host said, well, my understanding of etiquette is you never open somebody's wine at dinner. So they didn't open it because they thought that was the polite thing to do. And then their person they invited at the end said, well, if you're not going to drink my wine, I'll take it home. <laughs> and so, so then the host said, oh, I'm never inviting them over again. How rude they are and how terrible. And so here you have a case where probably you had two different sets of manners. And if, if you believe your own is the only one and the correct one, then you're, you're in a position to interpret that other person as rude and, and mean. And the thing is, if we just presume goodwill, we would think, oh, maybe there's another explanation here. And so I guess that's the one thing I would say that, um, if, if you walk into your judgments of other people assuming goodwill, then maybe a breach of etiquette is not a breach of etiquette in their world. Um, and then you can find out what the difference is. Wait, so which is right, or there is no right answer? I would refer to you to Lizzie Post and Daniel Post-Senning, who just wrote a new edition of Emily Post Etiquette. And I haven't actually managed to get into that edition yet, so I don't know what the current guidance in that book is. I mean, assuming the dinner party anecdote from your acquaintance were both people involved from the same part of the world was it a cross-cultural thing you know for those of us who are in the same culture with the people that we're having these misunderstandings and conflicts with let alone when we broaden to the wider planet how many things that in one place are considered gracious that somewhere else are a slap in the face i mean how do we navigate that if we can't even get it straight within our own little communities well, exactly. And I think in this case, they were both Americans, but you can think of regional differences. You can think of class background differences, all kinds of differences. So why do you think we have such big emotions around these topics? It seems like so often it's such a deep, emotional, very fraught, series of questions and ideas like why are we so tied up with with such big feelings about these questions well we really depend on each other in the, when it comes to this stuff we can't do these kinds of social encounters and this collective life on our own there's so much complexity to the social world there's so many different ways that things can take meaning and so we really have a latent feeling of being at risk. And so the research shows that when people needle at that uncertainty, when they expose that complexity, when they undercut the basic truths that we operate on, which are social constructions, that people can have very strong reactions to them. And so I think that's why this area of etiquette and manners is so important, because it really does show the work that we do 
collectively to keep societies running and functioning. As you're studying this and you're looking at these sets of rules and social norms, many of which we learned from childhood, they're so deeply ingrained in us, but you're looking at them through this sort of anthropological, sociological perspective. When you take a step back, like the proverbial extraterrestrial (laughs) that we like to think about on this podcast, um, what do you think is the weirdest stuff we do? So for me, the things that I think are strange are the things that get linked to, for example, gender inequality. So one of the things I see in etiquette is the extent to which women are allowed to show that they're smart. We, We see that change a lot. I've got 100 years worth of these books that I'm looking at. So... I'm really looking at change in gender boundaries and gender norms. So I, it's very clear uh, in the earlier editions from the 1920s up to the 1960s or even 1980s that there are different behavioral norms and different also social spaces inhabited by men versus women. For example, in the discussion of becoming a co-ed, going to college in those early editions, you know, women were going, but it, it was clear they were going to join a sorority and find a husband to a larger extent. Get their MRS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get their MRS. One of the things I said about smoking in the earlier edition, so in the 1920s to 1950s, a uh, woman were not supposed to smoke publicly. Things like that. Why? It was considered to it be was, like too foul because it's considered to be rude. And 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 there was also this change in uh, if a, a well-bred woman would be able to be in public without some kind of a chaperone, mm. for example. There's so many things going on there. So now in a world that at least we would like to believe is a little bit more equal, a little bit less binary, a little bit less, you know, like cut and dry about who's doing what. Do you still feel, though, that the pressure of etiquette, the pressure of manners, I mean, hosting, things like thank you notes, all these, I mean, doesn't it fall generally more on the female or more, you know, more femme partner? My professional opinion is yes. And that historically speaking, women have had more responsibility for these soft things. And I think that's related to the status attainment issues I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier, those boundaries and distinction making. So it, maybe it was the man's job to go out and bring in the salary. Uh, and if a woman's less likely to work, then how does she show her status? Well, she does it by being in the right clubs and mixing with the right people and hosting the dinner parties and all of these soft manners, ways, space of being and, and showing status. And I think that's still true to some extent. Uh, the person who has takes on the responsibility for these caregiving, the social connections, the, the home, all of those things are, more prevalent in etiquette. Now, of course, there's etiquette for business as well. Right. Uh, but often that's also about gender relations at, at work and things like that. Right. So there have to be some kind of bumpers to how we interact with each other in society. And there have to be some things that are taboo and some things that are encouraged. But do we have too much of this or not enough of this? What 
if you could make the next widely used book of etiquette tomorrow and you got to sort of tailor these norms for the society, what would you change? Since I use etiquette to research society, I actually don't think of it as something I would use to steer society, if that makes sense. Totally. Yes. Um, and I think that's another thing about this, looking at etiquette books as to provide information about society, because if you want to be successful writing an etiquette book, it, it can't come out of left field. It's not your own ideological treatise. It has to actually be related to people's actual practices. Yeah. Because otherwise it's going to be a failed book because everyone's going to know that it's not actually going to help them to know how to behave. So what are the deep sociological questions that you can get to that don't seem related to manners and etiquette, but that you can use manners and etiquette to uncover, to reveal about ourselves? I have recently used etiquette books to study immigrant incorporation into society or immigrants integration by looking at how manners change over a hundred years. One example is when it became okay to serve spaghetti when you have people over for dinner, <sighs> right? Uh, another example that I really love is the introduction of quinceaneras yes. into the discussion of events and rituals in etiquette books. And um, so those are just two examples that, that show a change in the mainstream, what we would call the mainstream of society related to immigrants. So that's one, uh, one example. That is fascinating. I, for, when did it become acceptable to serve spaghetti? I'm really curious. Do we have a year on that? <laughs> I think it was in the 1960s that it became wow, okay. Wow, that's very recently. <laughs> and the Quinceanera was introduced in the books in 1997. But when it was introduced then, it was introduced from the perspective that the reader <laughs> would be attending that event as a guest. Not, not throwing one. It. And in 2011 then there were resources for the host introduced. Oh, my God. So this is just a perfect example. And this is why I wouldn't want to steer the book. Right. Because for me, it's just a really nice source of data on what the social world's looking like. It makes me emotional, this idea that you can track the inclusion of new groups in this very, you know, sort of stuffy, if you don't mind my saying, like, you know, series of books over time. How much can we glean about, like, the history of race and immigration? The first editions of this book are written from a very white Christian perspective. Do the changes over time give you hope that we are a more inclusive society? I think that the evidence suggests in this data that I'm using, that we do are moving toward a more inclusive society in many ways. But that doesn't mean that there are other exclusions happening. Uh, but I think the evidence suggests this um, in some ways. I think in terms of actually class divisions, there the evidence suggests that, in fact, the, we see a little more solidification of class hierarchies at the same time that there's a greater 
openness and there's not that the the class groups maybe have more social contact than they did in the past, but it doesn't mean that you have access to social mobility. What do you think the future of manners and etiquette in this culture is? Where, where do you see in, you know, the addition um, of etiquette in, in 20 or 30 years, what changes would you imagine or predict? I don't know. I think the, the stuff on, gender fluidity is really interesting for etiquette. For example, I think the rise of our digital lives is really relevant and important. So those are all getting worked out now. They're pretty recent developments. One of my pet projects that I would really like to do is not leave it up to me to figure this out, but I have the idea it might be fun to try to train an algorithm based on the 100 years of books I have to write the next one. The angst I have felt about thank you notes is, I guess, really about a larger dread. Understanding all the societal expectations, even in the society you've grown up in, is nearly impossible. There are so many rules. They're ever-changing, and different groups of people have different ideas of what's appropriate. I was so worried my thank you notes wouldn't be perfect that I couldn't bring myself to do most of them at all. It probably seemed like I wasn't grateful, but I was. I was so grateful I was worried an uninspired thank you note wouldn't do my gratitude justice. So instead, I was just really rude. Look, I know I should have written the notes. But it makes me wonder how often the reason people fail to meet these societal expectations, the subtle, nuanced ones and the great, big, dramatic ones, are really very different than the reasons we project onto them. Something to think about next time someone you know doesn't do the thing they were definitely supposed to do and comes across, well, very rude. Thank you so much to my guest today, Lily Rabe, who stars in Love and Death, which premieres on Thursday on HBO Max. She's in Shrinking, which is currently streaming on Apple TV+, and co-directed and stars in the new movie Downtown Owl, which will premiere at Tribeca this year. And thank you so much to sociology professor Andrea Voyer of Stockholm University. I'm so grateful I got to talk to these two fascinating women today. So grateful, in fact, that I am seriously considering the possibility of sending thank you notes through the mail. And while we're on the subject of thank yous, I have to say thank you to you, listener, because I am having such a great time doing this podcast, and I'm so grateful that you're listening to it. 12 episodes in, there's so much more that we're going to do that I'm so excited about, and I'm really grateful that you're here, so thank you. Our theme music is by Evgeny Klemenko. Additional music in this episode by Spear Fisher and Blue Dot Sessions. My producer is Dale McGowan. Strange Customs is a production of Only Sky Media. Visit us online at onlysky.media slash strangecustoms. Tune in next time for more Strange Customs. <laughs>